1: As much as I felt that college was an important experience, how important is it for our company to require college degrees of our applicants? And how hard should we push our own kids to pursue an advanced education? To answer that question, Shirag Shimazian. Shirag, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing, uh, doing great. Thank you very much. Um, this is a real conflict in our society. I mean, every kid... Uh, they go to school. They're they're under pressure, and it seems like in that pressure starts when nursery school happens. The day of their birth, they're signed up into nursery school. <laughs> they don't get into a mm-hmm. good school. I mean, it, it just uh, it, it really is problematic. Um, how important is is advanced education? I mean, listen, your job is about you know getting helping people get into these uh, you know good schools and everything. How important is it really in our society uh, to have these advanced degrees or or even 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 bachelor's degrees?
2: Yeah, I mean, it really depends on your your lens, right? So depending on what you're hiring for, uh, what the specific background is, right? Let me give you, let me give you a couple examples um, to make this point. So let's say you're wanting to hire a physician. Well, you would hope that they have a medical degree, right? Because you're hoping that Med, they have some course, sort of, of course, medical yeah. training. And we would say, of course, to that, right? But, 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 you and, know, but there are these ODs now, sure. right? Uh, D.O. D.O. Physicians. Yeah, okay, D.O. Yeah, yeah. O.D. Is, uh, so those I- are doctor. also physicians, and they can do the same things that MDs yeah. can. It's just that the training modality is different. But let's say you're working, uh, I don't know, you're the executive of an investment bank, right? And you're looking to hire an associate. How important is it that they have a bachelor degree? Well, um, there's the, there's the skill set angle, right? Does someone who go to college have greater skills to succeed at an banking job? You can make the argument, well, their coursework prepares them a little bit, maybe their internships, all that kind of stuff. And then you can obviously come up with a good counter argument for that. But then there's the other uh, angle for this is your ease of recruiting and hiring. Okay, so if I'm an HR manager and I have 100 applications, okay, and 50 of them are from Ivy League graduates and 50 of them are from people who didn't go to college there might be people among the 50 who didn't go to college who are actually better than anyone in the Ivy league group. That's possible. But if I'm, but if I'm going to, you know, make an educated, if I'm going to play the odds, I'm going to want to recruit from the pool that, you know, went to the Ivy league. Right. And that's true of like, if I'm comparing people who went to a top 10 undergrad versus the number, I don't know, 81 through 90 undergrad, right. It's not that there aren't people in that second group that could be just as successful as in the former group. But if I'm trying to find a shortcut to finding great people quickly with a reasonable level of certainty, well, requiring college is actually not a silly thing to do, right? And the and the tier of the school, because they've been pre-vetted, right? Presumably, Princeton already vetted these kids when they were coming out of high school. So you don't have to put as much time trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to evaluate these people to see what level they're at? So that's the way that I think about it.
1: That That's a really interesting perspective, you know, that... Uh you know, that, okay, that the Princeton already reviewed the people and and, and we're on to the next step. Do you think that as AI starts to do more more of the work, that uh, having AI evaluate people in different ways is going to make any difference? Or is AI really just looking at objective metrics and not as much subjective ones like human beings do?
2: Well, AI is only as good as the information that it receives right so as a you know if you're developing an ai to learn okay what qualities or background factors um, you know best predict i banking associate performance right um, You're going to have to feed it a bunch of different variables. You might have to feed it academic variables, cognitive variables, personality variables like emotional intelligence and all this neuroticism, whatever the case might be, behavioral metrics. And the AI is going to be figure out, okay, which of these metrics matter and how do we differential, differentially weigh them? So they might find that actually emotional intelligence and responding under pressure is actually more valuable than your processing speed right? And so they might weigh that more heavily. But if you never fed it those variables, it's not like the AI is going to read people's brain and learn it. Right, we're not there yet necessarily. But say you gave them a bunch of personality tests, some behavioral uh, measures, uh, you put in, you know, demographic variables and psychographics and things like that. Sure, AI can parse that out. So it's possible I can, you know, for the sake of argument, we can say that okay, maybe um, your level of neuroticism and being able to pr- uh, work under high stress situations that's more valuable than your, you know, your college education. Okay. Um, And then, so there might be people in the, you know, in the, going back to the previous example, in the group that never went to college, that's actually much stronger on those, in those areas than the people who did. Right. And so those folks might outperform the folks who are more educated than them. So it's possible that'll happen over time.
1: Well, listen. That, that that's a hard argument to argue, and 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 listen. And I'm not arguing against it. I don't. Sure. I don't feel contrary to that. I just. I just really want to understand. It's a, a very fascinating perspective that uh, that you don't really hear from college counselors. I mean, that's that's a, it's a good perspective. So, um, what about the uh, the pressure that young people feel to go to college? I mean, and I see this in two different ways, and I. There are some parents, like the parents we were, we live in California. We have very good schools in California. We told our kids, unless there's a really, really good reason for you to go out of state, like you're invited to MIT or some sure. great school, which we would take care of, uh, then you're going to go in California where we have really good schools because we didn't want to pay for our children to go play in the snow sure. in the Midwest somewhere. Sure. I mean, that's just how we felt about it. You know, it's... Uh, to us, uh, college is social, is social development, but it's also it's a job. You've got a job when you go to college, sure. and your job is to get a job when you're out of college. And sure. that's
2: kind of how we looked at it. So, uh, do you think there's too much pressure on high school kids? Sometimes, um, and there's so much to unpack there, Joel. Uh, you know, because you know it's we have to think about our own privilege as well. Um, You know, as folks who, you know, might be college educated or well to do in their careers or, or people who live in California, because if I live in California and you and I do, um, but, you know, and I have a three-year-old son and, you know, college is a ways away, but, you know, not forever away.
1: It's not that far away. I was going to say it's not forever away,
2: but, you know, we're, I'm in a spoiled position because we have UCLA, Berkeley, San Diego, all these places, assuming he gets in right now, if I'm a student who lives in North Dakota my state school is not going to be as strong as the ones available to us in California. And so the proposition is different, right? Um, So maybe, well, you know, listen, they have
1: the best mining schools in the country in that part of the, you know, so if that's your plan, I mean, I don't mean to be argumentative, but, but, you know, like that's our our schools, the problem with our schools is that they're sort of generic like Berkeley and these schools. I went to UCLA for a couple of years and, the goal of UCLA is to get you to keep going back to school to get a master's, eventually a doctor. They, they really believe in the academic component yep. of school, whereas our state schools are much more vocationally oriented.
2: Yeah, it's going to depend on your goals but, and also your aspirations, right? So if I'm looking to eventually go to medical school, where I go to my undergrad, like the prestige of it does matter. It's not everything, but it matters. But let's say that your goal is to do, you know, to get a, I don't know, to become a teacher. Well, you know, you don't necessarily need to pay $50,000 a year and take on debt if your goal is to be a teacher, you know, the goal is to go to school, get a credential and uh, and do that. But and that's the career perspective and the financial perspective. Now, for some families, if you're mega wealthy, let's say I'm a billionaire most people listening to this are not, well, the, you know, the, the debt is they're not a, they're not going to be in debt, but that sticker price doesn't matter. So every family has to weigh the potential upside with whatever their financial situation is, right? Because the higher, the stronger your financial situation, the less that matters, the, you know, the sticker price of everything, but the you know, the more difficult your financial situation or the less wealthy you are, the more you have to be thoughtful about, okay, yes, if I spend this much money, what am I going to get in return? And the what am I going to get in return is not just, the uh, you know, the brand name of the place, but also where, what degree I'm getting, what I want to do after undergrad and all that kind of stuff. But you're right. I mean, from the, the pressure question is a good one. I do think generally speaking, there is a ton of pressure on our students, especially our very high achieving ones, because... I see a lot of families who, you know, are are sort of, you know, stuck to this idea of my kid has to go into to school A, school B, and school C, and they really, you know, they're emotionally invested in that. It means something to them. And I can speak um, as the child of immigrants. So my parents immigrated here from Lebanon, and we're Armenian American. And their big thing was like go to a great school, get a great job, all this kind of stuff, because they fled a country where there was a lot of instability. And, you know, to them, I think education meant, okay, you're solid here now. You're established now. Things are going to be better for you than they were for me. So, but if I'm a, but if I'm someone who grew up here with more stability and I'm more well to do than my parents were at my age, I might, you know, look at, think about my kid and say, you know, I don't know that he needs to kill himself to go to these best schools, but, but my perspective is different. And so I work with a lot of, uh, you know, students whose parents are immigrants and again, this is the first generation in their family that's going to go to school here. And so that means something different to them than it might mean for me as a parent. And so I'm always, I'm always sensitive to those differences. You know, uh, it just seems to me that, uh, all, listen,
1: all things being equal, I think more education is better than less education. But, you know, this country needs uh, carpenters. It needs plumbers. Uh, you know, uh, we need, uh, you know, computer technicians, not sure. just ones that are building computer chips and like computer scientists, but people that, that build machines or whatever. They, I mean, we need a lot of different kinds of things and not everything requires college and not everybody is cut out for college. I mean, college is sort of a cookie cutter thing that just is a, it's a giant business. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the pandemic kind of demonstrated that, you know, in, in a lot of ways. Um, what do you, you know, do you think that schools... Uh, you know, push kids too hard toward college? Or do you think maybe maybe some kids belong in some vocational, You're haircutting school, plumber school, uh, you know, uh, whatever kind of trades person school? I mean, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I mean, there are a lot of, uh, you can could, you could make a very good argument that there are a lot of degrees in college, unless someone's going to pursue something advanced, like a PhD in hopes of becoming a professor, which has its own issues or going to law school or whatever, that it's not necessarily going to do much you know, for you, you know, um, as far as, so for instance, most people with a bachelor's degree, uh, you know, in history, like with that degree, there aren't that many jobs in history. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to end up probably doing something else anyway, or going to law school or, you know, maybe pursuing a PhD or whatever the case might be. So different degrees come with different levels of value and engineering bachelors puts you on a very different, you know, puts you in a, on a clear path versus other degrees, not so much, but yeah, I mean, there are plenty of, you know, I'm sure we all know people who, uh, especially if they were very organized in developing their business, if they, you know, have a, have a plumbing business and it's well-to-do and whatever. They're probably making more money uh, and doing, you know, better financially than than folks who might have gone to college and were expecting a certain job, but you know, those weren't necessarily available to them just with a bachelor's degree. So, I get that. Uh, but then there's also the thing where not everyone, you know, at age 17 or 18, knows what they want to do, or maybe they might not want to commit themselves to being a plumber for the rest of, for whatever reason. Nothing against plumbing, but they might say, "Really? Like that's it? Like I'm just going to go to a trade school and be a plumber?" So I don't know. You know, um, it really just depends from person to person. But you're, I do agree that there are some folks um, who, you know, will do jobs um, eventually that didn't require a college degree to begin with. And but at the same time, going and getting the degree isn't the only value of going to college, right? There's the social aspect of it. There's the there's a marketability aspect of it. There's the flexibility aspect to it, because we also know that people who get college degrees on average, uh, earn out earn people who don't go to college. And so we're going to find, uh, you know, s- examples always where the person who didn't go to college might even have, you know, make more than the guy who, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, right. owns owns, he'd never finished college, but obviously we're always pointing to, you know, the, the exception rather than the, you know, the norm.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, it, it seems like we, uh, not just you and I in this discussion, but it seems like as a society, we kind of always go to the money. Uh, We always say, you know, are you going to out earn the price of your degree? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I can imagine that, uh, you know, you may get a little more money than somebody else that didn't go to college, but, you know, that might not even pay for the college that yet. So, uh, you know, it's not always about the money. I mean, are people, when you're counseling people, are they really aware of, uh, of all the different issues? I mean, you know, that, Maybe maybe it's more than, you know, are are they looking at this holistically or do you think they're mostly looking at this through a financial lens about how the kid is going to do financially in the future?
2: I, frankly, from what I see, and this is more anecdotal than anything, um, I think people see it more from an emotional thing than than anything else when they're sending their kids to college. You know, I don't see a lot of parents pulling out, you know, their pen and pencil on a calculator and seeing what the potential career options are going to be of various majors. And is it actually, quote unquote, you know, financially worth it to send their kid to college? It's more so that. That was always the expectation. Like if you ask a lot of parents who are high achieving or want their kids to go to college, what are they going to do after high school? Go to college. It, it's sort of like uh, the way, you know, if you tap my elbow and I have a reflex, it's sort of, oh, they're just going to go to college. And so I don't think it's, um, I think, you know, whether, you know, whether you're going to say, well, that people have been conditioned in our country because it's seen as this right that everyone should have and pursue and stuff like that. You know, I'll, I think that's for another time, but, but that's how I think people view it. I don't think people are uh, approaching it as, as rationally, um, as you presented the question. Okay. Fair enough. Um, let's shift gears. Do, do you think that uh, companies
1: should be, uh, as they're being concerned for, let's say, their their global resume. Sure. Do you think that they should be sending their people uh, to schools to get advanced degrees? Do you think it's a company responsibility? Do you think it's a personal choice and responsibility? I mean, you know, what what, what what do you think about those issues?
2: Yeah. So let's take the let's take the investment bank example. I think it applies pretty well here. So let's say you have your associates who all went to you know top forty undergrad programs. And after two years, you're like, all right, time to go get an MBA. The company will pay for it. Um, Do I think that what they learn in their MBA will be more valuable than just two more years of experience at the iBank? Probably not. Um, But I think two things happen. Uh, It gives the company, uh, again, uh, an ability to say, our people have this degree from these schools. And so if I'm selling to a prospective customer, you know, my iBanking services, and I say, well, you're going to work with this guy, this guy, and you know, this gal and this gal, and they went to, you know, Tuck business school, Harvard business school, Stanford business school, and this other thing as a prospective customer, I might say, Ooh, those are, those are pretty impressive names. And I might've paid, I don't know, a million dollars for those kids' educations, but I'm earning $20 million of business. Because I sold those brand names and I did it over and over and over again. So I think that there is power in the branding, right? Like, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, you might, uh, you might have a company and you say, well, I went to this school and this school and this school, you put it on your bio. um, And, you know, that's probably going to, you know, there's a halo effect, right? Like if I see that, oh, you went to Dartmouth, I'm going to assume certain things about you. Oh, they're probably really bright. They're probably, they have a great network. Oh, they, um, they're they probably really organized and successful in this work. I'm going to, you know, ascribe certain attributes to you just on the basis of that name. So how much is that worth it? I'm sure there are number crunchers out there who have done the calculations and it's probably worth it to them. But now let's say, I, I don't know, I, I'm approaching, but if I go to the plumbing company, let's say, and I say, who are your plumbers? You know, you're not going to care as much. Oh, well, our guys went to Stanford and MIT. You're going to be like, uh, can they fix my sewer pipe that just, per-? you know what I mean? Like, I think the proposition is different for different people.
1: Yeah, no, those are, those are great examples. What do you, what do you think about um, these uh, very top brand name universities, uh, the great business schools, the great uh, law schools that, that have converted to online programming? So they've adapted their brand and they've taken it online, uh, you know, and that effectively allows them to really, you know, expand their footprint in in an enormous way. What do you what do you think about that? Is that, you know, from a from a strategic point of view, is it is it worth it for the young people to go to those schools that way? Or is is the is the on is the on campus experience really important?
2: Boy, uh, all your questions require a rabbit hole answer. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll just go forward here. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. It depends, I think, what you get at the end of it, right? If you're only getting like a certificate in something, it's a pretty expensive certificate. I don't know how valuable that is. Um, at this, Or, you know, sometimes there are these online programs where the degree, uh, you know, and what you have to put on your resume, you know, you have to specify that it was the online, almost like not the real, like the replica kind of thing. Um, and so those make things trickier. But if I'm going to do, you know, an online education and, um, and receive, you know, the same degree and I could put it in the same resume, you know, the same way on my resume. I think from a brand name standpoint for the, you know, for the consumer, I think that makes sense. Now, is, is there in value in the in-person experience? I think so. Um, you know, you're, you're, if you're going, you know, fully remote, you're not going to grab beers with people And, you know, develop the the same friendships and, you know, have the same social experience, you you know, not meeting your professors in person and developing that kind of stuff. I think that does matter, not just from the learning standpoint, but from the larger networking and social experience. I think that sometimes people, um, you know, you talked about, well, we talked about the finances of it. Another thing that people also, I think, focus too much on is the, um, is the actual education. And that might turn, turn some people off that. I just said that the education is critical. The quality of education is critical. However, do I think that, um, the, the main value of it is actually what you learned in the school? That's you can argue that point because I can probably learn just as much in a remote setting as I can in person, heck with the internet and books published on everything in the world, I can probably learn the same stuff without paying a dime to college. The information is out there. What's, what's different is the way in which it's packaged. You pay for it. So you're probably going to take it more seriously. You're going to show up, right? You're going to push yourself so that you can pass certain exams and stuff like that. And then you're going to get a degree out of it. Versus if I went to an HR person and they said, oh, I see you didn't have a degree. How do I know you're going to be good at this thing? Well, I read these seven books on the subject. Okay, do you have something to show for it? I read the seven books. They don't have a quiz to give you to evaluate your competency, right? And so that's also another way to, to pre-vet yourself when you're looking for, you know, a job or or to to sell your services to a potential customer.
1: Yeah. This is such a fascinating uh issue because, uh, you know, so many, uh, so many family members, uh, you know, I know, I know my own family, we've recently dealt with this. My son recently, uh, you know, uh, began a program to get an advanced business degree, uh, an MBA and, uh, his girlfriend is, uh, you know, working on a JD MBA. I mean, at Wharton, you know, and he's at the Ross business school. I mean, I mean, these schools, these are magnificent, uh, institution. Sure. And, and I'll tell you what, you know, as I look at his curriculum, uh, I, I'm really impressed by it. I mean, I have to say that he has taken some really high level classes that have a lot of horsepower. and sure. and what he describes to me is is really extraordinary about his experience, you know, about the professors who are teaching. I mean, I, I will say that for, the schools are expensive, but they really do bring great resources from there. Sure. It's not like you get the same thing as you get like in a one of our Cal state schools. I mean, you really do get something extra. so uh, you know, I mean, I think that being there live is probably better because of the network and everything, but you know, under the, under the circumstances in the last, uh, you know, year that hasn't been possible, but Mm -hmm. uh, you know, these are, these are really interesting uh, issues. How did you get into uh, medical school as, is kind of your primary thing? Are you a medical person?
2: So I'm not a medical doctor. No, I have a PhD in clinical psychology from UCLA, one of our California schools. Um, So I, uh, I did my undergrad at uh, Cornell in upstate New York and you know I was pre med uh as long as I can remember as a child, so ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a physician and um and I went to college for that. I did very well you know graduated the three nine uh g p a was doing uh, all sorts of research and all this kind of stuff and um but where where I pivoted uh was I was doing a lot of mental health research uh on campus and um was doing a lot of you know community work related to that, and I personally grew up with Tourettes syndrome, so I always had a calling I felt like to to work in mental health. If I became a physician, I always figured I'd be a neurologist or a psychiatrist, but I ended up uh, making that pivot and getting my PhD instead. But really, I mean, along the way, I, you know, I went to a small Armenian school in Los Angeles and we didn't have much in the way of college counseling. So I was self-taught in, you know, on my journey to get to an Ivy League school and beyond. And um, along the way, people started asking me for a lot of help. Uh, there were a lot of people who, who were almost like closeted about it. Ooh, like I always want to leave state, too, and go to certain schools and stuff like that. Can you help me? And over time, I was just helping a lot of people, not only with undergrad admissions, but medical school admissions and then residency admissions. And um, just, you know, over time with the number of people I helped get in, just the demand grew and uh, it turned from a, you know, thing I used to like helping people with on the side to uh, my full-time vocation. And I love it. You know, it's, it's quite amazing that, that, uh, uh, you know, people find their level. They, they they
1: really do find their level. So, uh, you know, you, you love medical stuff and you, you didn't do medicine, but you did something that was medical. Uh, you know, you want to do, uh, you know, uh, counseling and thing, and you sort of do counseling, but you're sort of in business. I mean, you really it's fascinating that, that what you ended up finding for yourself is a, is a combination of all the things that you liked and that you were good at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I really do believe that people do find their level. They do find their place if you let the world help you, you know, if you mm-hmm. kind of put into the world, Hey, listen, I like these things. Those things kind of come to you in a funny way. So sure. yeah. well, good for you. Congratulations on Thank you. figuring that
2: out. Thanks for saying um, that.
1: any, any, uh, any great stories about people who've, uh, who's uh, you know, journey you've really changed or helped along the way.
2: This is not to brag. I mean, they're, they're countless. Um, you know, just yesterday, you know, I heard from a student who you know, there, it was their third time applying to medical school uh, and they were unsuccessful the first two times and they got in with, it was the first time they hired support and, uh, and we helped them get in. Uh, and that was extraordinary because here's someone, so I think people sometimes don't uh, aren't familiar with how like medical school admissions differs from undergrad admissions. With undergrad admissions, the value proposition is which school I will help you get into. With medical school, it's if you will get in anywhere because if you don't get in anywhere, you're not gonna become a doctor, right? With undergrad, it's where you go. And so this young woman um, had come to us after two unsuccessful cycles. And this was the last attempt. They said, if I don't get in this time, I'm gonna to have to figure out something else. So it was the difference between them being able to become a doctor and not becoming a doctor. Uh, and they were profusely thankful. And and that's the kind of thing where, um, you know, this person could probably do another job very successfully, but they wanted to become a doctor enough where they put themselves through the ringer three times and, and they had a different result. And that's the stuff that's just like, you know, it's a very high stress uh, line of work. People, uh, they know it's uh, you know, the, the bar is high. It's hard. It's the difference between being able to do a career or not, and just being able to assist students and making that dream come true for them is, I mean, puts us over the moon as a team. It really does. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really extraordinary. I've heard that a lot of young people who go to uh,
1: medical school have to leave the country because our schools are, we, we don't have enough spaces. We actually need more doctors, but we can't even produce as many doctors as we need as a country.
0: Yeah. I mean,
2: yes. And no, Uh, it depends where you are. If you're in a rural part of the country, you're probably going to have, you're probably going to be underserved medically. If I live in Boston, there is not a shortage of doctors, you know what I mean. So I think I think where you live. So I think people say make that statement globally in our country of like we need more doctors. Well, it should really be we need more doctors dot 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 in certain areas of our country. Um, and so and there are probably places that are overserved in medicine and they have too many specialists instead of primary care doctors and all this kind of stuff. So it's complicated. Um now your point is well taken. I mean we do I think generally though uh the number of medical school seats hasn't changed very much for decades. And in the last few years we've had some new schools come up and you know they're getting accredited which is great. Um we're you know um educating more doctors, but it is the case that some people just can't make it into schools in the US and so they might go to schools outside the country like Uh, in the Caribbean, which, you know, some are accredited, some are not, some you probably shouldn't go to. It's a conversation for a different day. And then some go, you know, truly abroad, which don't have American accreditations. They might go to school in Ireland or Romania or whatever. And we've helped people come back to residency once they're in, you know, medical schools abroad. So there are some unique challenges. I mean, you can come back to this country for your residency. But your road is going to be a hell of a lot harder uh, than if you're educated here. So my advice is, you know, put your best foot forward, develop the type of profile you need to get into domestic schools um, and uh, and then take it from there, because, um, you know, you might suffer on the back end if you don't.
1: You know, this has been a a very different kind of conversation that our show usually um, produces. Uh, you know, we're always looking for the inside track on something. It is clear and obvious that you've got the inside track on how school works, on how uh, the application process works, the whole thing. And it's uh, it's admirable that you have uh, figured out your way and that you're able to help other people. So, uh, thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your your wisdom and uh, just you know being out there helping people. Because this is uh, these are these are these are tough decisions that families have to make collectively. And and to have you on their team is probably, uh, you know, really uh, a wonderful thing for them.
2: Thanks so much for your kind words. I certainly hope so. And um, it's it's really a treat to do it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Take care.
1: You've been listening to Profit
2: from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com.